Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. This episode of iPad Pros is sponsored by Agenda, which just rolled out their iPad OS and iOS 13 update. New in this free update is the ability to do multi-page scans right within the app, dark mode in iOS 13, and for premium users, full Apple Pencil integration. I really love all the data sources Agenda pulls in now. For all of your projects, you can now take notes with your keyboard and either markdown or rich text for the same composition window, capture documents with the new scanner, capture whiteboards with the camera, import videos for all your virtual meetings, and take handwritten notes. It does all of this while thoughtfully connecting it to your calendar and reminders to make sure you stay on track with the project you are taking notes about. Anyways, I really want to thank Agenda for sponsoring iPad Pros. It really is a phenomenal app that rethinks note-taking in a way that keeps you on track to make sure you actually finish those projects. A little bit more to share about Agenda a little later in the episode. Learn more at www.agenda.com. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of iPad Pros. Today is the day. iPad OS is out today. Apple pushed up the release from September 30th to the 24th. So later today at 1 p.m. Eastern, iPad OS will be out along with 13.1 for the iPhone. And it's a big day. We've been waiting for this day for a long time this whole summer. It's a big deal. There's multi-window support. There's a new home screen. There's contextual menus. There's a revamped files app. There's a lot of stuff in this update. And in today's episode, I'm going to be going through a bunch of just different tidbits and insights I've had from using the OS all summer. And I'm excited to share those tips with you right now. So the first thing you'll see when you launch your iPad after updating is the home screen, of course. Now, the first thing I'd recommend doing is swiping left to discover this new widget area. And you can add to home screen to add this as a permanent view to your home screen. There is an option to add the today view, which as best as I can tell, shows you the weather and up next in your calendar. And you can change this after the fact. But if you want to hit edit, you can choose the widgets you want to add. Now, here are some of the widgets I found most useful, and hopefully there will be more widgets to come as widgets are now front and center. And I have high hopes for future widget enhancements in iPad OS 14 because there are some limitations with what developers can do. Some favorite widgets. If you want a full calculator in your widget in on your home screen, uh, PCalc is the app for that. You can have a full calculator right there within a widget. I'm finding that the lookup widget is really useful just for getting a new word of the day to learn some new vocabulary. It's not something for getting work done, but as an ambient kind of learning tool, it's really great. Uh, Shortcuts provides quick access to your shortcuts, but for this, I really prefer using app icons, which you can now do more seamlessly with the new shortcuts app in iPadOS. OmniFocus is pretty great. It shows what's next on your kind of OmniFocus forecast, as well as letting you add things to your inbox. And a lot of different reminders apps have uh, a good widget. So whatever app you're using, I'd recommend looking into using that widget. Drafts also has several widgets. And if you're a Drafts user, this is a widget to definitely look into. A really great tool for getting just text into your device really quickly. And then if you want to step up from the built-in weather widget, Carrot Weather is really phenomenal. A lot of data shown in that small amount of space. 
So that is kind of a rundown on widgets. If you have a favorite widget, please submit those to me at iPadProsPodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at me at iPadProsPodcast. Now in the dark mode and light mode, uh, some settings I would look into and changing in the settings, you can set that to automatic. So you can change it at a certain time of day, uh, certain hours after sunset or sunrise, or you can have it set all the time. You can customize Control Center to have a special dark mode option there, and you can change your wallpaper. There are a few wallpapers that will change the entire wallpaper to a dark mode version of that, or if you have a wallpaper you are currently using that you enjoy, you can have that set to dim. Uh, so that wallpaper will dim when dark mode is enabled. So those are a couple of different things to consider with dark mode. Make sure you update your apps. There are a ton of apps now being updated with this support. But if your favorite app hasn't been updated yet, just give it some time. All the updates are still rolling out. I'm impressed with the wide variety of apps that are supporting this, including my bank has already supported this uh, simple, which is really great. Next up, I want to talk about a couple of different accessories you may want to consider getting now that iPad OS is out. First up, I'm going to talk to you folks using a lightning-based iPad. Now, I have chapter markers. If that's not you, you can jump ahead to the next part where I will talk about USB-C people. But for lightning users, there are two great adapters to get. The first is Apple's Lightning to USB camera adapter. This is the $29 adapter on Amazon that has no external power. But what this is really great for is hooking up a USB mouse to your iPad and we'll talk about USB mice in, the, in a little bit here, but this lets you just hook it up with no external power. It is a really great thing to have. And as I'll talk about later, a USB mouse is really great because there's no pairing. You just plug it in and go. There's no batteries involved. And you could even plug it into your iPhone if you really wanted to. The second adapter I'd recommend getting is the Apple Lightning to USB 3 camera adapter. This is the one that lets you plug in external power to your iPad. And I do this all the time with a battery pack. That allows you to hook up external hard drives to your iPad or iPhone uh, with this adapter on the go by having a battery pack with this adapter and then the hard drive. So this is currently running $32 on Amazon. So those are the two adapters for Lightning users. One that's just the low-powered one and one that does have that external power. If you don't want to spend the money in two, Go with the one that gives you external power. It's a bit bulkier, but definitely worth getting at least that one with external power. Now, for everybody, whether you have USB-C or you're on a Lightning iPad, one of my favorite external hard drives is from Western Digital. It's a 4 terabyte My Passport Ultra, and it's a USB-C hard drive, but it comes with an adapter for USB-A, and that runs $112 on Amazon. But this is a great portable hard drive that does not require external power for your USB-C. Or if you are on a Lightning iPad, just hook up through that adapter. But this is 4 terabytes, really great design. And that's kind of the one I'd recommend because it is USB-C. Eventually, if you're on Lightning, you'll probably want to upgrade to a USB-C iPad in the years to come. Maybe it's two years from now. Maybe it's next year. But it's good to have that drive as USB-C. The other device I'd recommend getting is Anchor's 2-in-1 USB 3.0 card reader. This supports a variety of SD cards and micro SDs and just different ways to hook up memory cards to your iPad. Now, you will need external power once again if you're on Lightning, 
but this is a USB-A adapter, so pretty versatile. If you're on USB-C iPad, just get an adapter and it should work with your USB-C one. I'm sure there are also options if you don't want to deal with any adapters on USB-C, but an SD card reader is gonna be pretty useful. If you're on Lightning, I believe Apple does sell a Lightning to SD card reader, which might be something looking into, but I do like the flexibility of this more versatile USB-A adapter, and that runs $10.99 on Amazon. So those are some of the accessories for just file access and general hooking up USB things to your iPad over Lightning. And we'll get into some of the accessibility stuff later in the show with mice and things like that. But for now, let's move on to some iPad OS features. And one of my favorite ones I want to talk about is context menus. You can think of this as 3D touch for your iPad. 3D touch as a thing is going away, but instead contextual menus are going everywhere. Your iPhone SE, your iPad. So every device that didn't have this fancy sensors and the haptic touch devices will be getting this long press to get these contextual menus. And this shows up everywhere you would expect 3D touch to work. So app icons, you can long press on the app icon and you'll see the three touch like menu. And this lets you rearrange apps as an option. Or if you keep holding down, you will enter that jiggle mode to rearrange your apps. But on the app launcher screen, you'll have all the standard things you had with 3D touch. You'll be able to, you know, compose a new email right from within there. A lot of app developers have already customized their apps to work with this because of the iPhones. So just play around with your favorite apps and see if there is some kind of cool launcher for that app icon through the contextual menus now available with iPadOS. Now within apps themselves, you will find contextual menu support throughout a bunch of the built-in apps as well as third-party apps that are now supporting this. The Files app is a godsend with how they do this. The great thing about contextual menus is it condenses a lot of UI into a small space, providing a lot of power. So for example, in the Files app, you can long press on a file to copy, duplicate, move, delete, info, get the quick look, tags, rename it, share it, mark it up, and even compress it all within a single small window. Before, this involved a long horizontal line where you had to tap through multiple screens to even see everything, but now it's all right within here. So that's what happens in the Files app. In the Notes app, you can pin, lock, share, delete, or move a note. In the Mail app, you can act on a message to reply, reply all, forward, mark, notify me, mute, move message, or trash message. In Safari, you can open a new window, open a new tab, download the linked file, add a reading list, copy, share, or hide link previews. Uh, so that's a really cool thing in Safari, how you can just long press on a link to open in a new window. Or if it's a file you want to download, long tap to pull the contextual menu to download that linked file. The Reminders app, oddly, is absent from this feature. Hopefully that gets added in the future. In the Photos app, you can copy, share, favorite, or delete. I hope that expands in the future. In the Maps app, if you see a little pizza icon or a location icon of a different place, you can pull up directions, call, open the homepage, or share location right in a contextual menu. The News app is pretty deep with what it does. It lets you copy a link, save story, suggest more like this, suggest less like this, go to that channel, follow that channel, block that channel if you really don't like what they're sharing there, open in Safari or report concern. So News app has quite a bit, surprisingly. 
Uh, FaceTime. If you're in the FaceTime app, you can initiate a call from a contextual menu. You can iMessage, FaceTime, add to existing contact, or create new contacts from that. A couple apps that are not yet out yet. Drafts is coming out soon, but you will be able to open in a new window if you contextual menu on a text file, which is really awesome. You can preview in a new window, which is also really awesome. So say you're typing on this document on one side of the screen, you can open for a preview in a new window to get a live preview of what that markdown is looking like in real time. It is a really phenomenal feature and that's coming soon. You can flag, you can duplicate and trash with the new update for drafts that's coming out soon. Ulysses 18 also coming out very soon, hopefully today. Uh, you can favorite, you can keyword, you can export, you can move, you can copy to, duplicate, share, and move to trash all within the contextual menu. You can also, just like within drafts, open a new window and export in new window. The export new window is the same feature as drafts had with the preview, kind of a different version of it within Ulysses. And very handy to be able to see that live preview and how it behaves to your export settings. Yoink, which is already out, lets you copy, share, quick look, show info, rename, select all, and modify and delete. So throughout a lot of the apps, you'll start to see this more and more. It is super handy. So start digging into contextual menus. I believe it's one of the big things with iPadOS beyond the multi-window support. This will be a real game changer as far as productivity and discoverability of just getting to powerful features within apps. Uh, just a quick note on shortcuts. If you haven't listened to the episode I did with Matthew Castanelli, listen to that. But as a reminder, if you backed up shortcuts manually, externally, by dragging shortcut files to your files app in iOS 12, make sure to import those before updating all of your devices. There is no way to re-import those shortcuts back into shortcuts for iPad OS. So do that ahead of time. And then there is an excellent shortcut now to archive your shortcuts as an iCloud link. So if you don't want to clutter up your shortcuts app, there is a new way of doing that via just a link. And I have a couple different text files now in Ulysses that kind of have the backup of all of my shortcuts that I don't use on a regular occasion. So I'll have that link in the show notes with that shortcut for backing up your shortcuts now with iPad OS. The Reminders app. Uh, so the Reminders app was rebuilt for iPad OS and iOS 13. It's a big update and it will ask you, do you want to upgrade or not? It will warn you of what devices that are not yet updated or what members have not upgraded yet. And it will give you that warning. For me, it gave me the warning that my 11 inch MacBook Air from 2011 was not updated and it will never be updated because it is an old computer that does not support the latest OSs. And for me, I'm fine with leaving that device out. It will also warn you if members of a shared list are not upgraded. I believe if you do upgrade, some of the stuff will still work, but it is best to be, play it safe here. Uh, you will still be able to use the new Reminders app, just not all the features will be there. And uh, yeah, just get up running as quickly as possible because it is a really great app. Uh, it has a nice visual refresh. There are now four smart lists. Today's scheduled, flagged, and all. There's natural language input letting you put in the date and location. And it lets you verify that information with this smart formatting bar. You recognize, yes, that is what I meant for this to do to have. And very importantly, there are subtasks now where you can put subtasks into the Reminders app, which is really game-changing as far as organizing your tasks 
and having little uh, projects that have little smaller things you want done. And there's a lot more to reminders, but that's just a couple of things I just wanted to highlight. Definitely a big update to just look into uh, and see if it has a place in your life now that it's been revamped in this way. The next big thing, multi-window apps. This really is a huge deal. In the past, you've probably heard me talk about the fact that I would use two iPads side-by-side at work. This was because I wanted to have Google Sheets of two different tabs open at once. I needed to reference information from one part of the app to another. Well, now you won't need to buy two iPads for this functionality. Although in some cases, it is nice for that extra screen space. But for most of the time, all on one iPad, you can have multiple instances of the same app spread across multiple spaces in the slide over or in the same space. In the same space, you could have two windows split screen with slide over of multiple versions of that same app and slide over. It is a real thing now, and it's incredibly useful. So some apps to just check this out with and just play around with. The Files app is really great having this there. You can be having it in split screen and slide over. That is super handy. Note the columns view is only available in full screen mode. And some things to note about just how all of this works. Basically, the whole drag and drop metaphor is extended here and files and links and different things can be dragged into a different slide over area or into a different split screen view. If you drag a file or draggable item to the top center of your screen, that will actually create a brand new window uh, for you to start off. And if you want to see all the instances of the windows of a certain app, you can find that app icon and long press on it and hit show all windows. This will launch what's called the expose view, where it shows all the different windows. You're able to close out individual windows from that app. You're able to hit the plus icon there to create a brand new window there. And it's a great way to open multiple windows really quickly that way. And if you recently closed a window, you can go into this expose view and reopen a recently closed window. It is really phenomenal. So some other apps, check out Safari is now enabled with this. And this is really great. I'm using this a lot with research projects. I'll have Safari and a note on a split screen and a different Safari and a note on a different uh, split screen. And I'm able to have these different spaces. You can even have like a personal browser and a work browser. So whatever different frames of work you want to get into, you can really use Safari in this way. And Safari is now really powerful with the desktop update for that. Something also to note with Safari is, you know, last year we did have split screen Safari, but it was locked to that same 50-50. But now it is, of course, as flexible as any other app out there. Drafts and Ulysses 18 are coming soon. And those are really great apps to use in the split screen context. As I mentioned, the Notes app is something I've been using over the summer. But as these third-party apps are coming out with these updates to split screen, text input is one of the most useful things to have one app spread across multiple instances. So check that out. Mail is another really useful one. So if you're in Safari, you can now drag that compose window to a split screen, to a slide over. It is no longer sticking you there. So if you start to write an email from a website, you can continue doing your research for that email in Safari and have those split screen 
And it is amazing. Before I would constantly be opening up that window, I would be copying that email address from that email compose window and then going to my mail app of choice and putting that email address in there and starting all over because I needed to access Safari while drafting this email. And now you can just drag that window away and that is a really great change. Another thing you're able to do is if you get a notification, many apps like Messages and I believe Mail let you pull that notification down and open it up in a brand new window or slide over. And that is a really cool thing as well. Messages is another really great use of this. So if you are working with somebody on a certain project, you can have that message open with Safari and a different project. And so messages is another really great one for the split screen. So just be playing around with where does it make sense in your workflow to do this? And the other thing that's going to really change how you use the iPad is the slide over apps. So what I'm finding is I'm having like three or four apps that I'm having open and sliding between. So I'll have messages there. I'll have mail there, the check mail. I'll have notes there, uh, calendar. So I'm able to slide between these different apps in this iPhone 10 style switcher. It's basically having an iPhone OS on your iPad. You're able to slide over that iPhone and work with your apps in iPhone size classes. So as you're working with your two main big apps in split screen, you have this whole other little uh, utility apps, I'd call them, that are helping you out get that mission accomplished, whatever it is, whether it's taking notes about a video you're watching, whether it's messaging someone about a project, whatever it is, uh, slide over and the new implementation, I think, will be a big win for everybody using their iPad. And you can have multiple instances of the same app and slide over as well. So really powerful stuff here. This episode of iPad Pros is sponsored by Agenda. In this quick break, I want to share why I love Agenda's approach to taking notes. For those that want a really deep dive into Agenda, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to episode 48 of iPad Pros, where I spoke with Drew McCormack, the co-founder of Agenda. Agenda, if you haven't tried it out, is a great note-taking app that really thoughtfully integrates your calendar and reminders into your notes. If you have a meeting coming up, you can use an agenda note to prepare for that meeting and have all the information related to that meeting on hand by attaching any file or now with iOS 13 and iPadOS, you can do multi-page scans right within agenda. If you use the whiteboard of that meeting, you can also use agenda to capture that whiteboard with your camera and include it with your notes so whatever work that needs to be done after is all in one place. Or... Say your meeting was a virtual meeting, you can even save the video file as a part of that agenda note. I really love the organization system in Agenda. You can divide out the main aspects of your life or job, and from those main categories, create different projects for everything you are working on. Your notes, unlike a task manager, have a few different states that is all conveyed through a single radio button. Filled in yellow indicates that your task is on the agenda where it is top of mind and shown in a special on-the-agenda view, letting you view everything important in your life from all your projects in one place. A simple tap on the radio button lets you take it off the agenda or mark it as done if it is a note that has a completion state you want to indicate. There's also a wonderful timeline view that lets you view your calendar, easily link agenda notes to calendar events, create a brand new agenda note that you want associated with a certain event, add a reminder to the Reminders app, and much more, including seeing related notes and recently edited notes. 
If you've ever tried a task manager to take notes and were frustrated by that experience, give Agenda a try. It's the note-taking app that actually helps you stay on track with work and personal projects. Best of all, the app is loaded to the brim with over two pages of keyboard shortcuts letting you navigate with ease. Everything syncs over iCloud or Dropbox and is also available on iPhone and the Mac. Another thing I love about Agenda is their business model. When you upgrade to get the premium Agenda features, you aren't signing up for a yearly subscription plan. You get to keep every premium feature that is released in the next 12 months and only if Agenda delivers new premium features that you think are worth paying for do you have to pay again. The developers are constantly working on making you happy as a premium customer to earn your business again and again. To learn more, go to Agenda.com. Download Agenda today for free from the App Store. Thanks again to Agenda for sponsoring this episode of iPad Pros. Learn more at www.agenda.com. To close out the show, I want to talk about accessibility. There were a lot of improvements to accessibility that regular people that normally wouldn't need accessibility may find useful. And this includes mouse support and voice control. Now, I'm going to go over some things that you may find useful with these two features that you may not have even considered just by hearing about them initially. So I'm going to dive into these. This will be the closing out the show. And there will be more episodes in the future that dive into other areas of iPadOS I didn't even cover yet, such as the Safari web browser that's been greatly improved. So lots more to dive into, but I do want to spend a lot of time on accessibility as I have been really diving deep into what this means for iPad users and how there's different modes of using these where you're not fully using voice control or you're not fully using the mouse, but you're using aspects of them to enhance your workflows. So let's dive in with mouse support. It's important to realize that mouse support on iPad OS and iOS 13 is really an extension of your finger. And to remember that your mouse is an extension of your finger. Do not have the expectations that it will behave like a traditional mouse on your normal computer. It won't. There are no hover states and it just behaves as an extension of your finger. And once you have that mindset instilled in you, it really does make for a really pleasant experience. So you have the option of using either USB or Bluetooth. Now, I personally do really love the USB option. There's no pairing required. There's no batteries that it will burn out of this mouse. It's going to be a much lighter weight mouse and multi-device use is really easy because you can just plug it into the lightning port or whatever kind of port it is of that device and there's no pairing required. It just works. And there are scenarios I could see this being really, really useful. And having to unpair and repair a mouse to multiple devices is kind of a pain. I could even see a scenario where you have your iPhone on a dock that you connect this USB mouse to and you're out of touch range of that iPhone, but you're able to interact with it through this mouse. So having a USB mouse that is multi-device capable has some real benefits. A Bluetooth, of course, is the benefit of being wireless. You don't have to worry about the wires. You still have that port open to do other things with on your iPad. So there are real benefits of Bluetooth. And if you are just going to use it with one device, why not? 
it also enables you to use that mouse as a shortcut automation trigger. So when you connect to your mouse, you will be able to instantly toggle assistive touch, which is the feature you need to enable to support mice. There is no method to automatically disable assistive touch, but it will let you at least enable it uh, when you do connect. So those are the different options. Listen back to the lightning accessory part of this show if you are a lightning user and need uh, some information on what accessory to get there to connect your mouse to your iPad over USB. The mice I've been using all summer have not been expensive mice. I have both a Bluetooth and a USB mouse. I got them both from Amazon. They're both the TechNet brand, which are six-button mice. The USB mouse is $10. The Bluetooth mouse is $14. So not a huge upcharge there. And as I said, they are both six-button mice with the same exact layout and provide a lot of custom choices with those six buttons. Now, for those on a USB-C iPad and want to go wired, I did see the Mac Alley silent USB Type-C mouse for $15. I have not tested that out. I'm not sure how many mouse clicks it has, but that is an option if you want to go wired on USB-C without any adapters. Now, configuration is everything when it comes to how useful this mouse will be in your day-to-day life using it on your iPad or even your iPhone, as I mentioned, at your desk on a dock. The first thing I would recommend is turning off the Always Show Menu option. This will hide the assistive touch menu from your screen. So when you plug in your mouse, that menu will disappear. The next thing I'd recommend customizing is the custom top-level menu. This is that menu we just hid, but you can enable it with a mouse click. What I'd recommend doing is reducing it to just one icon to make this menu super fast and useful. And what I'd recommend changing it to is the multitasking icon. This will let you, without dragging and dropping things, control your multitasking interface with the mouse. It is a super useful thing to try out. It's the one thing I found with this menu, this assistive touch menu, that can be really useful. So just reduce it to one icon and choose multitasking as the option and start playing around with all those options there. The next thing is to go into the devices and select the mouse that is hooked up to your iPad. If it's USB, it'll show up right there. If it's Bluetooth, you may need to first connect it to your iPad in the Bluetooth areas of settings. But once that's paired, go to the accessibility area of the settings app to touch and assist to touch and to devices to configure this mouse that you're now configuring. So you're able to configure all the different mouse clicks. And by default, I believe it will show you three different clicks. But if you have clicks that are not showing up there, you can just go into add new button and it will recognize any buttons that aren't there by default. Now, here are some different configurations I want to just share with you that may be helpful. Some of the most helpful custom clicks. Uh, first off, your main mouse click should be this single tap. That is just your regular. I'm tapping on this, this thing on the screen. The other useful one, as I just mentioned, is open menu. This is helpful for opening up the multitasking via the mouse. So this could be a secondary button, maybe four or five on the side. Control center is another useful one that can be, I'd say, put on the side, like four or five or six, one of those uh, less used buttons. What I use my scroll wheel click for is initiating the dock. So the scroll wheel on many mouses can be used as a button. For me, I find that using that to pull up the dock is really convenient because I am constantly opening up the dock 
And that is a great place for that to live. My new right click is accessing home. And that is what I found to be most useful. There is an option to make the right click a long press, but I really do find that just clicking and holding long like you would your finger is really the best option as far as optimizing what mouse clicks you have access to in the functionality. I am finding that I am constantly going home. If you double click the right click button, that brings you into the app picker mode where you're picking out which window you want to dive into. So just remember that a home, it basically functions as that home button. If you double click it, you'll go to that window mode of picking out the app. Another really interesting one to enable as a mouse click is voice control. The reason this is interesting is because this lets you really quickly enable or disable voice control. So one cool thing about voice control is it all functions offline. And this means if you're wanting to do dictation, you can enable this just for dictation and start talking and turn it off when you're done. So you have total control of when this is active. You can also quickly enable it to do certain commands of your iPad such as to, you know, go home, to search for this on the web. There's all sorts of commands that I'm going to walk through in the next section, but voice control is something pretty handy to have as a quick on-off toggle within your mouse configuration. And then some other useful ones are any Siri shortcut you can set up as something there. Something that if you wanted to really dedicate two buns to as just a general quality of life thing, is volume up and volume down. I found that's really useful on the two side buttons that are kind of small that are next to each other to increase or decrease the volume of my iPad because I do do that quite a bit and it does prevent me from reaching up and touching that hardware volume up or down or even going to control center. Volume up, volume down on the mouse is something to really consider adding as one of your shortcuts there. Another thing you'll want to configure with your mouse is tracking speed and just find what's most comfortable for you and your current setups. The other thing I really love configuring is idle opacity, but something to note, if you do the auto hide in the pointer style, this won't matter much because if you are idle, you can actually just auto hide it after one second. So the mouse just disappears. So if you do decide not to use auto hide, idle opacity is something to consider. If you go in the pointer style, you can reduce the size all the way down to nothing to something rather large. Mine is configured as small as it gets, but there is a nice middle ground being a little bit bigger for some uses. And as I said, auto hide, I have it set all the way down to one second. So the mouse just hides when I'm not using it. And you can change the color to red or white. It defaults to gray. Mine is set to white as the pointer color. Now, something just to note here. Some users are getting some keyboard bugs when they are hooked up to their mouse. On my 12.9 inch iPad Pro, there are no bugs whatsoever. On my 10.5 inch iPad Pro from the same generation, I am getting bugs, which is very bizarre because it's the same generation, same OS. I'm getting bugs where the right side of the keyboard is not functioning and the hide on screen keyboard will sometimes show up. So if you are getting those bugs, wait until the next update, I guess. And it might be just a chance if they show up or not, because it, it really does seem to be inconsistent if these bugs do happen. Now on to voice control. Now, voice control is something that you may think you don't really want or need. 
So let me just talk through some different modes of using this and where it may make sense in your workflows. So there's different levels of being all in or not so much into using voice control. First off, to initiate voice control, you can do the triple click home button or side button to have that as a quick launcher for accessibility, or it could be used in control center as the accessibility option there, or you could use a mouse to enable it. So there are different modes of use. One is not having any overlays on your screen at all. No numbers, no grids, just using it for ambient, always listening app launching and different commands to your iPad, as well as dictation, where you actually don't need to hit the dictation button every single time, and it will just keep on listening. So if you are in a long dictation session, you can just be talking and never need to worry about enabling or re-enabling dictation. So that is one way of using it, of just no numbers, you're using the launch apps, do commands to your iPad. And I'm going to talk about some really cool commands a little bit later here, but that's one way. The other way is command mode. So when you have voice control enabled, you can tell your iPad command mode, just say command mode, and that will disable dictation. This is really useful for if you're listening to a podcast with speakers, when you're entering text, you won't get some weird text inputted from the podcast you're listening to. Or if you're in a noisy office, you won't get dictation from that noisy environment. Command mode is just commanding your iPad, which is incredibly useful as we'll dive into some of the things you're able to do. And the great thing here is you will get, I think, very few false positives. The rare instances will be when you're listening to a podcast like this, where I'm commanding the different commands that happen. But these commands really don't happen often in natural language of what people will be saying to you. It is very specific to your iPad as to what it's doing. So command mode is a very useful mode to be working in. Numbers is the lean back experience of operating primarily via voice. So if you have show numbers enabled, every tappable item on your screen is accessible via voice. All you do is say that number. You don't need to say tap five. You just say five and it's going to be by default tap on five. And it's really pretty awesome. So those are the modes you have commanding and dictating with no numbers. You have command mode and you have numbers where it's full numbers. There's also grids you can enable, but I'm not even going to get into that because I think that gets a little complex and we'll dive into that a little bit later. So something really important about voice control is just learning the basic language of it. There is a language of talking to your iPad. So you can see all the options in the accessibility settings and dive into these and even change the command itself. But here are the built-in commands that are available to you without any modification. And these are available in the command mode where dictation is disabled. The first command is open app switcher. This will simulate you clicking the home button twice or swiping up from the bottom and show you all the apps open and the different windows available. There's open control center to quickly open control center. You can tell your iPad to show dock, to show your dock. You can open your notification center by telling your iPad open notification center. You can open spotlight, open Siri. So you can even have the, hey, dingus disabled and use open Siri to initiate that instead, which is pretty cool. You can open any app on your iPad by just saying, open that app name. So open OmniFocus, open Ulysses, open Agenda, open uh, Safari, 
open Scrivener, whatever the app is, you can just say that app with open and it does it. You can say, go home, go back. And you can say a number to tap on that number. There's also search web four. And then you just say your search term and it will open Safari into your default search engine and search for that term. It's incredibly useful. You don't need to initiate Siri first. You can just do it from voice control. And that's not all for basic navigation and commands that you can do with your iPad. If you go into voice control, go to the customized commands options. This is where you can find all these commands and scroll down to accessibility. There are some that are turned off by default that are really, really cool. These are ones that deal with music. So you can use voice control that's always ambiently listening to you, done locally, not sent to Apple in the cloud or anything like that. This is all local. It works offline to do full music controls. These are turned off by default, easy enough to enable. So here's what's available to you. You can say play artist John Coltrane. It'll play that artist. You can say play then the song name. You can say play album and say the name of the album. So play album, Love Supreme. You can say play playlist and the name of the playlist. You can just say play music and it'll just start playing music. You can say pause music, next track or previous track. You can say shuffle music. You can say genius or say play more like this. You can ask voice control, what song is this? So that is all really awesome. So you're able to really control the music app entirely with voice, not having the pulp to Siri and interrupting your flow every time you need to. But this is just all there available for you as an accessibility option. There is also a FaceTime option that I've turned off because I don't want to accidentally FaceTime somebody uh, via voice control. The other command like options are available in the device area where you're able to turn down volume, turn up volume, mute sound, take screenshot. So you're able to control some really cool things there. And I can see all these device ones really useful. The next part of voice control I want to dig into is just dictation. So you can tell your iPad command mode and that will disable dictation. And then just say dictation mode and this will enter the standard mode. But note, this will also respond to command. So if you're in dictation mode and you are in a text field and you say open agenda, that will actually happen. So just be mindful when you are in dictation mode that that stuff happens. A really cool thing to note is when you're in dictation mode, you can say insert date and it will insert that date into the text field you're in. But otherwise, it behaves like normal dictation. You can say period, new line, all that stuff will work. If you go into the dictation area of this accessibility settings, you will be able to see all the different commands available to you. There are a lot of different text editing options and things of that nature as well. Now, if you want to actually use voice control to tap on things, there are some cool things to just know. Tap number or just say the number will let you say the number. To show or hide numbers, you can just say show numbers or hide numbers. You can also do that with grid, show or hide grid. And you can zoom in on grid five or whatever it is. And that is the thing that's available. So some basic gestures that you have access to as well, even if you're not using numbers, you can say scroll up or scroll down. This will jump the window down or up. If you want to do the more natural scrolling that you're used to with touch, you can say pan up or pan down. You can also say scroll to the bottom, scroll to the top. 
this is really useful, especially scroll to bottom. There is a way to tap the very top of the screen to get to the top of your app. But there's no real way to, say, scroll to the very bottom instantly. You can do this with voice control. You can say zoom in. It will zoom in on the screen. You can say zoom in five. It'll zoom in on the number five. You can also say long press five, long press six. So if you need to do a contextual menu, you can say long press and that number and it will do it for you. Very, very useful. So those are all of the different voice control things available out of the box. The final thing with voice control I want to just touch on is something really helpful in the automation land. And these are custom commands. So what this lets you do is write up any command you want. And when you say that command, it will either insert the text, run a custom gesture, or run a shortcut. The insert text thing is really useful uh, if you're doing bulk emails. You could probably also do a shortcut uh, similar to this, but the built-in just insert text is pretty great. So what you get to do is you get to type in whatever text you want, including line breaks and all of that, and you get to assign a phrase to that. So it could just be type. You could just tell your iPad type, and it will type in that big, long email that you're sending off as a customer service rep. The best thing is, with these custom commands, you can have it enabled only for certain apps. So say you only want to enable for Spark and the built-in mail app, you can do that. So it's not listening for that command all the time, just when you're in that app. And this is really powerful too with the shortcuts, because you can build out these shortcuts and it can be only be listening to you for that shortcut when you're in a specific app. So just think of the possibilities there. And I'm sure we'll be diving into this topic more about different shortcuts that make sense in the context of only that certain app. There are a lot of really cool things that I'm starting to brainstorm on. And that's going to be something I'm going to dive into more in the future. So that kind of wraps up the accessibility section and wraps up today's episode of iPad OS being out and available. I'm excited to dive into more topics in the future with iPad OS. And I really hope this episode's been helpful in getting you up and running, kind of learning some of the things about iPadOS that will really help you be more productive on a day-to-day basis. If you do have questions about iPadOS, feel free to contact me at iPadProsPodcast at gmail.com. If this episode's been helpful, please leave a review on Apple Podcast. Every review goes a long way in helping others discover the show. Thanks again to Agenda for sponsoring this episode of iPad Pros. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, they have a really great iOS 13 iPadOS update out that you should really check out. It's got dark mode, Apple Pencil support, scanning documents, a lot of great stuff in this latest update. So check out Agenda. Thanks again to Agenda for sponsoring this episode. And please support the podcast by supporting them. And finally, check out the Patreon. If you do want some extra content to the podcast and episodes early, head over to patreon.com slash iPad pros. Every dollar goes a long way and is greatly appreciated. With that, I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their iPad OS launch day. It is an exciting day, a day we've been waiting for for many months now. And if you do have questions, send those questions into me at iPadProsPodcast at gmail.com or send a tweet at iPadProsPodcast. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to everyone again real soon.